the revamped podcast hosted by Lindsay Hepner. Rebuilding the digital entrepreneur. Guys, I'm so excited to have Ellen Yin on the show today. Ellen. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I'm excited for you to be here too because I have been listening to your podcast and I am getting so much information from you. I was listening to um, hashtag hacks today and I was like, wait a minute, this is amazing. I mean, that's this is what I love about this space is you can never get enough information about your own genre of marketing, I guess you could say. So everyone has like their own ways of evaluating digital the digital space so i learned a lot from you today but um thank you that means a lot seriously coming from you thank you oh well we're we're girl bosses you know there's always room to grow and and be better and i i really really learned a lot from you so it was really really nice to have that commute this morning to the studio office and listen to something that was powerful. And now I get to talk to you and we get to elaborate more. So it's, it's great. I'm excited. I love that. So for anyone that's listening, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you kind of got to where you are right now? Yeah, so my name is Ellen Yin, and as Lindsay mentioned, I am the host of the Cubicle CEO podcast. So we feature weekly interviews with inspiring female founders and business leaders on how they built their success. And honestly, my guests, which Lindsay is going to be one of our guests on the show, are way wiser, smarter, cooler than me. So come tune in and, and learn from them and their wisdom. Um, and apart from my podcasting, I... I host an online membership of the same name, Cubicle to CEO, and we help service solopreneurs make their first $10,000 a month without a large audience or posting every day. So outside of that, um, you know, I got my start in business in my my agency. Really, I, I, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't really intend to be an entrepreneur, but when I quit my job at the end of 2017, I fell into freelancing, got my first client, and then from there just really grew my clientele and eventually shifted into, you know, podcasting and online education. So it's been a wild ride, but it's it's an awesome journey as an entrepreneur. Well, I, I wanted to just kind of take a moment here and have everyone understand that you don't really need all the tools to be an entrepreneur. You know, I think the word is really, really scary at first. Like, ooh, I have to like have all my ducks in a row. I have to do all this, know all this. And I really don't think that is what an entrepreneur stands for. I think it's just learning Mm -hmm. how to navigate through obstacles, right? Because every single day, yeah, every single day that we have our business that we run and we wake up knowing that we're the only person that's running it, I, I don't think that I have like this prepped script of how the day is going to go. So I think if you're going to really involve yourself into something that you love and call yourself an entrepreneur, you kind of have to remember that like you're doing this based off something you love and you're thankfully making money off of it and monetizing it. So when you say 
that you kind of fell into it, I really think that maybe you didn't fall into it. Maybe you just realized that you could capitalize on something that you really enjoyed. And along the way, you found other ideas that implemented you to become a better, knowledgeable, you know, um, working force of whatever you're doing. And you didn't have to, I guess, have someone else tell you what to do, right? Which is the whole cubicle thing. That's such a great perspective, Lindsay. I agree. I always, you know, tell people start before you're ready or if you're not embarrassed by your first attempt at something you waited too long to try. I really believe that. Like even in in, you know, the podcast project, I've only been podcasting for just over a year and I went back and listened to some of the early episodes and oh my gosh, cringe. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Not, you know, not a great not a great um I can relate pro right from the get-go. So I think it's really important to just start. And I I love what you said too about entrepreneurship, like at its core, it means to be a problem solver. So you're not going to have the perfect, you know, game plan and things are going to happen, you know, that you can never predict. And so I really believe that the key to being a great entrepreneur is having the ability to pivot and persist. That's kind of like my motto in life. Just pivot when you need to persist until you get to where you want to go. Exactly. And I think that kind of anyone who isn't an entrepreneur, I know it sounds scary, but you know what's so great about it? And I hope, Ellen, you can like approve of this message. But I think what's (laughs) great about it is you learn so much more about yourself. You know, things Mm -hmm. that you would never tackle in a day-to-day job that, you know, you are clocking in, clocking out. You don't, you can switch off your brain and just, you know, go about your life and not worry about work. But there's something great Mm -hmm. about being an entrepreneur where nothing ever switches off. And I think that's also so great in life when like even to this pandemic, we didn't really prepare for this. And when you're an entrepreneur, you don't prepare for these kind of things. I mean, you you do actually, because you're always like on your tiptoes of like, okay, what's going to happen next? I need to be prepped. Whereas something like a pandemic where you're hitting, clocking in nine to five, you kind of just like have a more extreme alert system on because you're like, shoot, I didn't prepare for this. I've been just, you know, kind of zombieing my day-to-day work life. Whereas as an entrepreneur, when this happened, we're like, okay, what is our next step and how do we navigate through this and how do we pivot our business to where we get through this storm? And it's a different mentality that you you automatically kind of go into this fight or flight, right? So I think even though it sounds like, whoa, that sounds scary, I don't want to like think about that all day, it's also really exciting because even to how you were saying how you got into podcasting and obviously I felt the same way when I started podcasting I was like oh my gosh I need more help than I thought you know because you're (laughs) you're trying to navigate through something new but I am now at I think episode 20 filmed and I've learned so much and this is a really really hard job uh podcasting and people don't realize that they think it's like oh it's so easy no it's not it's really really difficult there's a lot of mental um strategizing and prep before you podcast with someone but Mm -hmm. i i would never have done this if the pandemic didn't happen this is such a new navigating pivoting way for vamped and 
you know, I feel like if I was at a nine to five, I wouldn't be thinking this way. You know, like, what can I do that is the new normal? Well, people are at home. They want to listen to stuff. They want to listen to knowledge. So I think that you can relate to that, right? Where we're... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great that you were able to take an obstacle and actually turn it into an opportunity, right? I I think that is very... um, just indicative of the entrepreneurial mindset, the spirit. And I I agree with you. I think that a lot of times when people fall into their comfort zone or they settle into a routine like a nine to five job, you don't experience a lot of pattern interrupts, right? So something like the pandemic where it totally throws you off your world or, you know, you get furloughed or you have to make a total career shift. That's a huge change. Whereas in entrepreneurship, you kind of get attuned to that. Like every day is a pattern interrupt. You never know what's going to land on your desk in your inbox, you know, how something might change. You're always figuring it out as you go. So I couldn't agree with you more there. Oh, when you talked about what you don't expect getting into your inbox. Oh my gosh, I'm a Pisces. So the emotional roller coaster of my mindset is (laughs) insane. I'm like, please just good emails today. Please happy people today. Um, So your your podcast, which is based around like cubicle to entrepreneur, can you tell us a little bit more about this and like what what is your experience from working at a nine to five to now? You know, like why did you want to transition? And a lot of people I think out there that are listening want to transition, but they're super scared to. So what is your advice on mm-hmm. that? That's a great question. So Cubicle to CEO, the name of my podcast, obviously follows my own journey from being in a cubicle to becoming the CEO of my own company. But I think it means more than just, you know, people who are in a, you know, a nine to five job wanting to transition out. To me, the idea of a cubicle is really anything, whether it's a physical cubicle or something literal literal or figurative in your life, any box that limits you and doesn't allow you to live up to your full potential, that feels like a cubicle to me. And the idea of stepping into the role of a CEO is really showing up as a leader in your life and learning how to take control and accountability of the life that you create for yourself, the business you create for yourself. So the name has more meaning beyond even just, you know, transitioning out of a job. But I will say that in my own journey, when I left my nine to five, um, Actually, I guess for me, it was like a seven to four. <laughs> Literally, I worked there that was rolling in like half asleep. Um, but I, I mean, I was only in that cubicle, honestly, for 10 months. And everybody told me I was making a mistake when I left. They were like, at least stick it out a year. It's going to look weird on your resume. Like, you know, oh, you have a good girl. paying job. Why are you leaving? Why don't you wait till you find another job first before you leave? There were all these, you know, voices telling me, no, 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 no. And what I realized is that there is no such thing as perfect timing, right? I mean, you know this, Lindsay. Yeah. Can I just... wait? Oh, can I just say one thing? I love that you say that, that I had the same experience where people were always saying that I could never hold a job after nine months. And I just (laughs) want to tell everyone out there, you don't have to stay at a job for three years to know you don't need to stay there anymore. I was going from job to job once I learned everything I needed to learn. And if they couldn't put me in a position to amplify my knowledge, I was out. And Mm. now, I mean, 
just to say this now is like school, uh, your resume is all about how much you know, like how long have you interned, how much knowledge you know from different jobs. It's not about your grades in school. It's about your work ethic and how much you have been in the industry. And that's what I'm so thankful for now is because I left jobs as soon as I didn't, I wasn't learning, you know, and so many people are afraid to do that. And that's okay as well. But I don't think you need to stay at a job if it's not giving you fruitfulness, right? And totally. Yeah. And I think um, your mindset there, Lindsay, is so spot on because early on in your career, a lot of times people prioritize pay over all else, right? They're like, I need to, whatever's the highest paying job, even if it doesn't fulfill me, even if I am not challenged in this role or I'm not learning anything new, I'm going to take that job. I'm really of the opposite belief where every job, I mean, literally down to like my first job working at a movie theater, right? Like scooping <laughs> popcorn. I think I think there's value to be obtained at any job. And the moment you stop learning, I'm, I'm with you 100% there. The moment you stop learning is when you have to really evaluate, like, is this really allowing me to grow as a person? Mm-hmm. Or am I just staying in this because it's comfortable and I'm scared of, you know, of the potential of failure or rejection? And I really think that that's the biggest fear that holds people back is this, this fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And one one quote that I heard one time that really stood out to me was, um, I don't know who originally said this, but they said, I don't lose, I learn. And I was like, oh, that's such a good way of putting it. Because when you, when you fail, which you inevitably will, and you should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I'm like, fail faster. Like the faster you can fail, the faster you're going to grow. I really think that you're not losing anything because you're truly gaining wisdom, perspective, insight. You learn more about yourself, just like you were saying. So it's okay. Like if you if you start a job and you realize, I mean, honestly, my job, my marketing job, my last corporate job, when like within the first three days, I knew for sure this was not where I saw myself long term. And yeah. had I just waited around for something big to happen to me or a reason for me to leave, I would still be there. There's no doubt about it. So sometimes you have to create your own catalyst for change. Sometimes you can't wait around for life to throw something at your feet and say, okay, now's the time to leap. Or, yeah. you know, now's this big up ending, you know, life change that's going to allow you to make a different or take a different path. Sometimes you you literally have to create that own change. Yeah, and I, I wanted to step back a little bit on your your failing faster. Gosh, you couldn't have said it any better. I really agree with you on that where you should fail as soon as you can. So you can get all those things out of the way because you don't want to be five years deep into a company. You have all these people you hired, you have these big clients and everything, and then you do the stupidest thing and lose so much money. You might as well do it when you're like the only person working at your business. You failed for a client and you're like, okay, I burned myself. We're moving on. I will never do that again. I really, really Mm -hmm. love that about failing fast. And I just think that people need to just jump over that hurdle of failure. It does not put a huge, um, like a huge target on your back saying you suck at everything. I think if anything, it's just like I always say to everyone is it's a learning experience. You're learning and you're learning how not to do that again. 
So mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't look at failure as anything but a learning experience. I think that people need to really pivot on, on how their mentality is like, I don't know, it's just like a trigger word for people. It's such a trigger word. And I really too also think it's part of our our society thinking like we, we put too much emphasis on what people think about us. Either, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, and I saw a great reel yesterday, I posted about it. And the girl was basically saying that the people that look like are your friends or follow you or whatever, they want to see you fail when when you succeed, but they also really think you're a loser when you don't do anything. So it's like you're just choosing. You need to choose what you want. You want to be looked as a loser that you didn't do anything and become anything, or do you want to be really great at something and they're going to hate you anyways, right? So just like choose which pendulum side you want to be on. And I I think I'm going to always choose bettering myself, doing what I love. And if that catapults me into making money or being successful and people are mad about it, then just be mad because I'm I'm enjoying my my life and, and what I want to achieve in this lifetime, right? So Yeah, I I will add to that um when it comes to like shifting your mindset or your mentality, what you just described, I feel like is, I always say to people, look, you can, you can run your business or run your life playing offense or playing defense. And if you're so, you know, obsessed with trying to control other people's reactions, emotions, feelings, thoughts, like none of that is within your control. And that is such a defensive position to take, right? You're always reacting to what other people throw your way. Whereas if you're playing offense, you know, you're actually, you're, you're the one who is creating your own destiny. You're mm-hmm. deciding this is what I want and I'm only going to control my thoughts, my actions, all those other things, circumstances, people, opinions, you know, let it go because you'll spend your whole life trying to chase down something that's that was never yours to control in the first place. I agree. And how, how do you, Ellen, uh, prepare yourself? Well, how did you prepare yourself to make that leap out of the cubicle and into the CEO world? I mean, what was that transition? That exciting, <laughs> like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, when I left, I wasn't leaving because I wanted to start a business. So that's what I mean when I say I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I, I left because I knew that job wasn't for me and I, and I didn't know what was next, but I knew it wasn't that. So I had to get out. And originally my plan actually was to move to a different city, um, apply for marketing jobs in that new place. But it's funny, I, you know, I really feel like when you look back at things in hindsight, you see, you know, reasons for why certain things happened. I actually ended up injuring my back um, that January and I was basically like just out of commission for like an entire month. And that next month in February, ironically, it was an old coworker at the job I had just left who him and his wife owned these coffee shops locally. And they were like, hey, you know, we, now that you've left, you know, the job that we used to work at together, we heard you're pretty good at Instagram. Would you be willing to help us grow our account or get it off the ground? And I always am of the belief that if you're interested in something, even if you can't see the whole path, Mm -hmm. just lean into that curiosity and go for it. So, you know, I wasn't doing anything else. I thought, hey, sure, why not? So they were my very first client. And, you know, it just snowballed from there. 
But I think the big thing in making that transition, um, obviously, I don't necessarily recommend to everyone, you know, jumping from a job with no backup plan if you don't have, you know, the right resources to support that, right? If you don't have any savings or anything, you don't want to put yourself in a super um, compromised position, so to speak. But, you know, I had I had a little bit of savings and I knew that I'd figure it out. Like I knew I had some time, at least a couple months to, you know, get my feet on the ground and, and find my next thing. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really have like a, you know, this beautiful drawn out exit plan because it really didn't exist. It really was just me saying I'm deciding and I'm going for it. So what 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 made you feel like you weren't a good fit for your last job? Um, first of all, it didn't like the actual not interest me at all. So I was in, I was, uh, working at a health insurance company doing marketing. Um, not, not something I'm particularly interested in. And I really felt like my creativity was very limited. Um, it was one of those places that like to follow the status quo, right? It was that one of those companies where it was like, oh, well, this is the way we've always done things. So it was, there was very little room for innovation. Um, there was so much red tape. I hate red tape, oh bottlenecks, bureaucracy. Yeah. Bo- it's the worst. I'm like, okay, let's yeah. just, let's move on this. Let's, yeah. let's quickly decide. And it was not like that. Everything had to go through so many levels of approval. And I just realized that I was never going to fully be able to utilize my skill sets or really grow in a, in a place like that. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's really important to realize, like anyone who's listening out there is really mm-hmm. acknowledge your skill set. Are you in a workspace that capitalizes what you're good at? Because I think at the end of the day, if you're not doing a service for your boss, which we know now we're CEOs, it's really hard yeah. to find good employees and you totally. can you can say all day what you're good at, but if you're really not good at those things, you're doing a disservice for yourself. You're doing a disservice for me, for Ellen, because all we want to do is see you succeed in that position and not just sit there and twiddle your thumbs and act like you know what you're doing. Like it, the hiring process for me is like, I really need to know what you're good at. And if you're not good at what mm-hmm. what I, th- and you you have to also love it. I want someone to come in and love what they're doing as well because that inspires me too. So I I love that you said to yourself, I am not a good fit. I don't need to stay here for two years just to pretend because it's I got hired, right? Because a lot of people just go, thank yeah. God I got hired. Okay, I'll just <laughs> do two years, you know? Yeah, I agree. And to that aspect, I mean team building is definitely something newer to me. I hired my first employee this past summer and our team has, you know, grown quite quickly and it is a total different perspective sitting on the other end of a interview, right? Mm -hmm. For you to be the one saying, are you the person that I want to invest my time and energy and money and resources into to bring along on this journey and vice versa? And I really do think that, you know, no one is going to love every aspect of a job, right? There are parts of my job that I don't enjoy doing. Yeah. But it is important that the, the vision for where you're headed that that feels 
fulfilling to you, that that feels aligned. So even if every single task is not your absolute favorite thing in the world, you still wake up excited going, I'm going to make a difference today. My skills matter. I'm growing as a person. And you genuinely feel excited to be there. If that's not how you feel, I would really encourage you to reevaluate why that is and how you can make those changes immediately, not you know when there's a perfect scenario because it's never going to happen. I, I agree. Sometimes, even though I love this job, I wake up screaming. I just wanted to let everyone know. <laughs> that I'm just is trying so to be as <laughs> with entrepreneurs. Trying I to be as transparent as possible. <laughs> I do have uh, cold sweats, hot sweats, stress, anxiety. I am the typical commercial that you see, and you just take a pill to alleviate all of those, but then you have 20 plus other issues. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. No, totally. even within a day, right? You can have like yes. a total high and then a crash. And then you're like, at, at night, you're like, boom, I'm ready to take on a whole other day. Like, I don't even want to go to sleep. It's totally up and down. You just got to uh-huh. like regulate yourself. Yeah. Be like, all right, overall, how am I feeling? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could be like 20 different emotions in one day and just be like, all right, that happened. <laughs> I was happy. I cried. I was super anxious. I didn't sleep. Yeah, you can you can have all of it. Yeah. We're not we're not trying to fluff anything here. Hope everyone is enjoying the episode so far. Um if you don't know about CBD by now, it's amazing and if you are like me, I work out a lot, like a lot, a lot, and my muscles are always extremely sore. So lately, Premium Jane has been my go-to muscle recovery topical. I love their cocoa butter one. It's it's helping me with my joint pain and great for cellulite. So Premium Jane has now created a deal just for my audience. And it's a super special offer, guys. It's Black Friday week. So now through December 4th, go to premiumjane.com and get 35% off on all products using a special coupon code Friday. F-R-I-D-A-Y. That's 35% off now through December 4th. Go to premiumjane.com, use code FRIDAY at checkout for 35% off today until December 4th. Now back to the episode. Going into being a CEO, Ellen, what steps did you take to start your own business? Kind of break it down for us. For anyone who's out there going, how do you start this? Which is honestly everyone's question. It's like, I don't even remember how I started. You know, I think I had a pad of paper and a pencil. So how did you start? (laughs) Here's what I will tell you for those of you listening who are like, I really want to start a business. I don't know where to start. Don't start with the stuff that you think you need to look like a business, right? Most people, when they start a business, they go, I'm going to write out a business plan. I'm going to design a logo. I'm going to get a website. I'll print out a bunch of business cards. I'm like, okay, that's all surface level. That's all appearance-based, okay? Nobody actually, I mean, I'm not going to say nobody cares about that. Of course they care about that, but that's not the priority. The priority is for you to understand what are my existing skill sets? What what am I the go-to person for already in my circle of friends, in my network? Um, what is a problem out there that exists and how do my skills provide a solution to that problem or how does my knowledge or how does, you know, something that I can create. And obviously this is going to depend on whether you're running a 
products-based business or a service-based business. But for most people, if you have zero you know, startup capital and you're just depending on literally selling you, a service-based business is the fastest way to you know, make a profitable business because you're literally just selling a skill that you already have. So I would take an inventory of what you're already good at, what people naturally come to you for, ask you questions about, and then think about what what is a persistent challenge that other people who don't have the skill set seem to always need help with, and how can I present my service as a solution to that problem? Think of yourself as a problem solver and just go after that first client. Go find someone with that problem. Get yourself in front of the right problem-aware people and sell that service. And and that's I know that sounds so oversimplified, but that really is what it is all about. Um, all those other things, the branding, the beautiful website, the, you know, all those other things, they will come in time, but your business survives on cash flow. Cash is your oxygen. So if you're not yes. going to go out and actually get a client or get some income in, your business will die with you. So, you know, just prioritize things in the correct order. I, I agree with you. I think that's what happened with me. I, I got in a car accident and I didn't have any money to my name. So it was like the only business I'm going to be able to make is a service business. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> I am a perfect example that you can make something out of completely nothing and be successful. Um, and I also want to like bring up that my best friend just had this issue you know she she looks at me as like the social media guru right because she's like I don't understand any of this world and I'm like I think you need to breathe it's okay like the great thing about social media is you can YouTube everything and figure out everything but on the on the outside of what you were saying it's like she's like I need a website I need cards I need all these things to like show that I'm professional and I was like, babe, the first thing you need to do is get your customer. And your customer is yes. usually your closest friends, right? And that's what I was doing with my business when we first started is I was reaching out to people I already knew that like knew about me, knew what I knew my skill set. And those start becoming your first clients. And then your outer circle is your next clientele uh you know, area that you start focusing on. And then what starts is the ripple effect where they start telling their friends and they recommend you and you're referred and all that stuff. So people always try to ask me like, how did you start? How did you start reaching out to brands? And I'm like, I started with my friends. I started with my core group that believed in me and had a business and needed my help because then I just started getting testimonials. I started working and sometimes you gotta work for free to just prove to people that you are good at what you do, right? But that is uh, that is what I think is how you start your business. And I agree with you. You don't need all this extra fluff in the beginning. You just need to show and prove yourself that you know what you're doing, right? And that will speak for itself. Yeah, the results always speak for themselves. And, you know, I'll be totally honest. I, in my business, um, we scaled to our first, six figures without a website. We had no website. No, I didn't have business cards for the entire first year of my business. People would always ask and I'd be like, I can give you my phone number. Like I don't have anything to pass to you. I'll take yours. Um, and honestly, like no one, I'm, I'm thinking back, it's really fascinating, but 
when you are really good at messaging, like you truly understand someone's problem and you can verbalize it in their own language, the way that they would describe it, the way that they think about things, the stuff that keeps them up at night, if you can verbalize that to them and present them with a, again, a solution to their problem and you are very confident in the result that you can provide someone, that's what makes you professional. Mm -hmm. It's not the not the beautiful branded stuff. It's the result. That's what people are actually after. And I remember my first, I don't even know, probably 10 clients. None of them asked me for a portfolio. None of them were like, oh, well, show me your credentials. They just wanted to know, this is a problem I have. This is the result I want. Can you get this for me? Yes or no. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. If you can, great, let's do this. So I think you have to really understand again, like what is it that people actually want out of working with you? How do they define success? And can you provide something like that to them? Yeah, I I agree. Even to this day, when we get referrals, people still haven't looked up anything about me or like the business or anything. And they just, yeah. I, I'm recommended as like someone who knows everything about marketing. And it's just word of mouth. They, they didn't have to like look at my credentials or who I worked with or anything. So I agree with you. I, I think you're professional if you believe you're professional, you know, that will yeah. always stand true. So what did, did you have any existing clientele before you started becoming a CEO or was this just like, you know, just start from scratch or was it from like existing cubicle, you know, like, cause I, I feel like I've had a lot of clients come from other businesses that I was a part of where I worked for other people. So did they, mm-hmm. you know, kind of filtrate in from that or did you just start from scratch on getting clients? Um, I mean, I started from scratch in the sense that it wasn't like a previous business I was part of I brought a client from. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that my my network did play a big role in my first few clients. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, like I have like, you know, a packed network and I know so many people. I mean, over the years, I've really come to know a lot of people and I do have an amazing network, but I think people really undervalue relationships and they try to, what is it? They wait to network until they actually need something, right? They like, like with jobs, even people in the job market, they never network until they're looking for a job. That's the wrong time. The wrong time to network is when you actually need something. The right time to network is way, way, way before that. And so I really think that prioritizing relationship building and, you know, always coming from a place of value and saying, how can I help you? Who can I connect you with? What do you need today? Um, Because I built strong relationships, you know, through word of mouth, similar to you, Lindsay, I was able to acquire those first couple of clients. And then from there, like your results speak for themselves or you're able to, you know, generate leads in other ways. But don't underestimate the power of your network. The, those people who are in your life and the people they know and the people those people yeah. know, um, it's it's your most powerful asset. And too many people undervalue their network and overvalue things like, you know, the tactical how-tos. I could spout strategy at you all day, but honestly, it's the people in your life who who create the most value for you. I, I agree. A lot of people are really scared to reach out to people that they know, but that's the one thing that when you have a friend coming to you and going, hey, can you help me with this? I think we undervalue how much people actually want to help you, right? 
And I have built a lot of good, solid friends and networking through the industry that I've been in just from social media. But previously, because I used to design swimwear and I was in the surf industry for a really long time. And I just always remember telling myself, learn as much as you can and grow from these people. But also, too, these are people that you want in your back pocket for later, right? And don't ever be mean to someone. Don't ever be rude to anyone because you never know when they're going to show up. And I swear, I swear, it's been years that I've been out of the surf industry and I have talked to more of my friends from long ago now than ever. And they still remember me as like, oh, she was super driven and now she does marketing. Wow, I need to reach out to her for my own new business that I created. So it's just mm -hmm. like you said, don't undervalue your network because everyone has value. Every single human being has value. And even if someone doesn't have value to you right now, and I'm not trying to say that as like, oh, you know, only be friends with people that have value. I'm not that kind of person. I think everyone is beautiful. And if you're a good person to me, I'll be good to you. But remember that that person remembers your kindness and they will refer you if they know someone to you. That That's mm -hmm. the ultimate. The ultimate goal is to be kind to everyone and that's how you get your referrals for your own business. Totally. And I've had a very similar experience that so many people from my past who maybe I haven't even talked to in like a decade or just never would have thought our paths would cross again, they have crossed in such meaningful ways. Like just, you just never, you truly can never predict how someone will show up again in your life, if at all, but if they do you know, it's, it's best just to always operate under the assumption that they will. Yes. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> don't burn bridges, don't burn bridges, um, really prioritize relationship building and always come from a place of giving instead of asking first. I think too many people go into relationships thinking, what can this person do for me? How mm -hmm. can I ask something of them? Yeah. And relationships take time and they take patience to build. And there are a lot of times where, you know, I, I mean, I've given to people many, many times where I've never asked for anything in return and I may never have to, and that's great. But just knowing that you come from a, come from leading with generous action. That's what I would say. Lead with generous action. Um, if, and when there comes a time when you ever do need a, a connection or a referral or just, you know, some feedback on something, if you invested that time and energy up front in someone, it makes it so much easier to make the ask. You know, I, <laughs> my, my Chris behind the, we'll, we'll just stop here. Steve, make a note that I'm trying to ask something right now, but Chris just, just messed me up right now. But <laughs> uh, what I wanted to say just to add with the, the networking part is if you have a certain skill set, and so does the people that you meet that have the same skill sets, you're gonna meet later. You know, we all transition into other jobs, but we stay in the same genre of job. So just be mindful of that. Like if you meet someone, you don't really care about them and you, you know, close them off of your life, you're gonna meet them again because people usually stay in the same type of network of people. 
So even though I'm in social media now, I'm still in brands and design and all that. I'm still in the same network. It's just in a a little a, a little different tadpole or title. What what is it called? Like a pool? Like <laughs> tide another, pool? Yeah, yeah, another tide pocket. Pool. <laughs> yeah, another pocket of that ex- same pool. So I I just think anyone out there, yeah, don't don't do it. Some people are like, oh, you know, in the moment of impulsiveness, but don't do it. It will haunt you. And that person will be the (laughs) one deciding factor for you to get that one client you really wanted, right? I would just look at it that way. Totally. So what is, what do you think is the most important channel? You know, being a CEO, what, what channel of social media is important to you? to get out Mm. I think I mean it totally depends I think for each person I personally am most active on Instagram I just I love that platform I've met so many amazing friends there um but you know a platform that I think is often very underutilized is LinkedIn Mm -hmm. um I mean, geez, you can find anyone, (laughs) any contact you're wanting on LinkedIn. It is a treasure trove of contacts. And so I really love LinkedIn too. And it's definitely a huge um, focus of mine that I'll be, you know, spending time investing into next year. But I think the, the key really is whatever platform you pick to, you know, to, to show up well. That, that I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I love the, that. the platform is the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. But how you show up—that's that's what makes you different, um, and what matters, and how you provide value to your community and your audience. And so, um, I don't know. It, there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer, but no, pick it, whatever caters towards your strengths. I love that. We we just are now like integrating ourselves more into LinkedIn. But I agree, and we built really heavily on Instagram in the beginning Mm -hmm. of when Instagram was like before it was monetized. And that's like the platform that we've heavily always stayed on. But with you, Mm -hmm. I know that you're doing this hashtag hacking, which I told you I was listening to on your podcast. Please dive into that because I think a lot of people on here really don't understand the value of hashtags. And you really made it even more apparent to me about how important hashtags are. So I would love for you to like elaborate a lot more about this area. Yeah. So Lindsay is referring to my program, Hashtag Hacks. It's like a $27 course that basically teaches you how to get visible on Instagram and get in front of your dream people, your dream clients and customers, even if you have a tiny audience. And that really is the operative word. I think a lot of people obsess over their following size and they think, oh my gosh, I have to have X amount of followers in order to attain success. And I really believe that those two things are not necessarily correlated, um, just depending on what your business is. But as far as hashtags go, um, I think the the value in hashtags is that they provide you free cold traffic and they help people who are already searching for the content that you post about discover you. And that brings in a much higher quality viewer, potential follower to your page than let's say even ads would because with ads, you're basically getting in front of, you know, you're paying to get in front of a certain set section of people 
um, who may or may not be interested in what you have to offer. But hashtags are basically the visual search engine for Instagram. They're very much like Google or YouTube. People are deliberately, intentionally searching for something. So they're already showing high intent about a certain topic. Um, and if you can then get your content in front of those people, right, they are seeking you instead of the other way around. And so I just think that hashtags are so underutilized mm -hmm. and an amazing way to drive new traffic to your profile, to your content um, without needing a large following. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm going home tonight and really focusing on that. I'm also very interested in your course because I want to learn everything. I'm I love to be soaking up stuff like a sponge. So I'm really excited about your hashtag hacking. But let's go into our lightning round. This is we want to ask you a couple questions. Um, Chris puts this together. And I'm always going to roll my eyes every time I see this because I just don't know where he gets these questions from. They're just so random. <laughs> and I'm thankful he does I'm these excited. questions. <laughs> so let's do it. Um, giving presents or getting presents? Ooh. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I love both, but gifts are totally one of my love languages. So I love getting gifts. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually really bad about that stuff because it's not my love language. So when people expect it, I'm like, it's not part of my love language. So I don't know what I'm doing, you know? <laughs> so don't be mad at me. <laughs> um, if you had a child, would you want them to be the most popular person in their high school? Chris? These, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I I guess that wouldn't be a bad thing because there probably is a reason that they are popular, hopefully, because they are a likable, good human being. But honestly, what matters most is that, you know, if I have a child, that they are an empathetic, good person with good intentions. That's really all you can hope for. Same. Same. I just don't want to be – I don't want to have my child be bullied like I was in high school, so – same. Mm -hmm. if, yeah. if they're going to be popular, they better be nice to everybody. Oh, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they would have it coming for them yeah. if, they, <laughs> if they were a popular person, let me tell you. Yeah. Okay. So from one to 10, how hot do you like your shower water? Oh my gosh. What, what show are we on? Jeez. I like these questions. These are funny questions. Okay. I would say um, probably a seven or eight. Okay. It needs to be, I do not like cold showers, but I'm not someone who's going to like stand under scalding water and like burn my skin off. So Ellen, you know, we're, we're, we're CEOs. We have to go for the cold plunge every morning. Where's your cold <laughs> plunge? I can't do it. Cold showers, like, <laughs> I don't freak ever me do out. it. I don't ever do no it. Way. Are you kidding me? I'd rather sweat. Um, if Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump were both drowning and you could only say one, who would it be? Wow. Oh, I know Kim who I would sure. say. Kim for sure. It's not even close. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. I'm not answering that one. Um, do you like the smell of gasoline? Chris, I don't. I, oh, he makes me laugh. I like the smell so of campfires. I like the That's different. Not That's definitely gasoline has like a weird, crazy scent. Yeah. But I get I mean, some people really do. So I mean, to each their own. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But if you like the smell of gasoline, you like the smell of chemicals. That's how I Of what? Of chemicals. 
Oh, yeah. Right? It's it's Some not people, pleasant. Yeah, yeah, no. Can you touch your toes without bending your knees? Um, I used to. I mean, I grew up dancing, so I don't know. I haven't tested it in a while. You can do I would it. You can think test right now. Maybe, can you probably. Right now? <laughs> can you stand and test? Right now? Yeah. Want me to? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go for it. I mean... We'll <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's see. I gotta get up. Gotta set my headphones down. <laughs> I just figured so she knows. Yep. Okay, done. cool. I mean now you know. So if anyone ever asks you, you don't have to hesitate. <laughs> Do you <laughs> be confident in my toe touching abilities? <laughs> Do you like the name Charlie for a girl? Ooh. Um, you know, I know that's kind of a trend right now, like using generically or traditionally boy names for girls. I'm not a huge fan. You like girl I names I better? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. That's that's an interesting one, Chris. Do you, do you know the definition? Definition? Wow. Come on, Lens. Of Triska decaphobia. What? Ooh. There's so many weird well, phobias out it's there. It's a fear of something. I don't know what. Yeah, tr a fear of Triskaideka. <laughs> that is the phobia. Oh, I wish I the audience. I wish the audience could play along on that one. What is it? I know Chris? this is. I like this segment. What is it? It's the fear of the number thirteen. Oh, oh! I fear the number thirteen yeah. for sure. It's an extreme superstition really? or fear of the number 13. Oh, yeah. I fear that number. I, I got to be honest. I, like, this is really fun. I kind of want Chris to create lightning rounds for my guests now. Like, how do you hire the <laughs> I, This is cool. <laughs> Lindsay always gives me crap for this, and they always turn out to be a fantastic part of the show every I mean, single time. This is my favorite part of the show. See? Keep this. See, Alan, I'm just our guest likes it. So I, I think I needed to prep you a little bit more before we came on <laughs> that you do not compliment. You do not compliment Chris at any time. You have to hold that back. We will probably be editing this out. Steve, can we edit this out? This this part right here. Just two seconds before this. OK, thanks. Um, OK, so have you ever tasted soap? I have. Boy, was that bad. But honestly, I maybe some like shampoo in the shower by accident, but I don't think like like a bar of soap, no, never tasted that. Well, I definitely didn't get a bar of soap in my mouth, but I've tasted soap. It it just tastes really it tastes like the scent. But my just mom, my amplified. Mom, my mom showed me what soap tastes like when I was a bad kid. I can see that. <laughs> I mean I think that's why you added this, huh? <laughs> if anyone else had this issue. <laughs> I'm looking for a support group. <laughs> okay, so if you were given an all-expense-paid trip to Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio? Would you take it? Would you take it? I think I would just because yeah, what's that I, show? What's that show? <laughs> Go ahead. I Ellen. would, I mean... I love traveling. So if you're going to pay for me to travel pretty much anywhere, I will go. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> and then I'll remember that. <laughs> 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 Do 
don't ever say that to anyone. They'll put you somewhere where you don't want to be. You know? It won't be Cleveland. Within, It'll be somewhere else. Within reason. <laughs> yeah. Within reason. Do you currently own any stuffed animals? Mm. Honestly, I think the only stuffed animal in our entire house is this teddy bear that... I got for Valentine's Day like a few years ago and our dog has chewed off its arms and legs. So it's like a stump. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's pretty much the oh my the God. collection of animals we've got. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about too? I feel like these are questions that like Facebook and Instagram try to figure out like where you shop, where you eat your food and all that stuff. Like they just right. made this like top 10, 20 questions. They're like, all right, Ellen goes to Irwan. Yeah. She lives here. She likes this. <laughs> like this is this is how they get you. Um, the last one, what's the maximum number of spritzes of, did I say that right? Spritzes? That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. Gosh, there's sometimes, I mean, I'm an adult. There's some <laughs> words I haven't seen on paper. <laughs> what's the maximum sure. number of spritzes of perfume before it's too much? The limit does not exist. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Smells good. I I feel like I am a little overzealous probably with my perfume spritzing. But but um yeah, I don't know. I guess it just how smelly are you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like for me, I, I mix them. I don't know if anyone does that, but I spritz all areas that would smell. That's my number one. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of add an extra perfume one to like spritz twice i don't know sometimes they like change formula i don't know i really like it it's like a, oh it, it yeah. totally does change it if you mix them yeah, yeah I, i'm, I like I'm pretty boring i literally worn the same perfume since junior year of high school it's like my favorite so yeah but people know your scent do you know what i mean that's what's also really <laughs> yep. cool about it is like they know that scent is you when they smell it yep yeah people tell me that actually it's it's like sweet in a creepy way like oh I, I smelled you the other day like I was walking somewhere and someone else smelled like you and I was like oh that's yeah that's nice <laughs> no it's like your signature you don't even but also too yeah. people don't realize it smells different on everyone like your pheromones so it does yeah. I, I've had a perfume on me and then my friend it smelled completely different so mm -hmm. yeah that's 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 the lightning round girl so please tell tell the the revamped audience, where we can find you. So you guys can find me on Instagram at Miss Ellen Yin, on my website, ellenyin.com. Or, I mean, since you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're a podcast lover. So if you want to check out our show, Cubicle the CEO podcast, Lindsay will be on our show as well. Um, and we'd love to, we'd love to have you. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited for this episode to come on because I feel like there's so many takeaways. And just if you want to be a CEO, you should become one. So uh, yeah. please like, share, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Revamp TV, and our podcast, Revamped Podcasts, on Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. And Ellen, thank you so much for coming on today. I really learned so much from you, and I'm going to go purchase your hashtag hacking. 
definitely I'm going to be learning some more stuff. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lizzie. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Bye.